Hello and welcome to Playback Daily. It's Friday the 26th of January. I'm Louise Herity and here's some of what's coming up. Dana started the whole thing off. Yeah, I know. She made a terrible hames of it. It was disgraceful. We shouldn't have let her go in the first place. I said it to you, right? Yeah. But I wasn't even born. I wasn't even an egg at that stage. We just kept country music going in the north. Myself and Philomena and Margot and, you know, we did. And Big Tom and... But so it's, it's good now to see the young people you know, following up. So I'm really, personally, really excited to see this. I think it'll be one of the, the, you know, the big films. No Oscar nominations for it, but a really deeply felt film, I think. For yes, viewers. no Oscar nominated, but they got it wrong. We know, we exactly, know that. Exactly, exactly. They can't get it all right all we'll, the time. We'll yeah. forgive them for that. Well, today with Claire Byrne had the first in a two-part investigation into water-related issues in Dublin and Cork. First up was Cork City and Brian O'Connell's report with many residents there complaining about discoloured water coming into their homes over the past two years. They say Ishka Aaron isn't doing enough to address the problem and in some cases the people there can't wash clothes, they can't take showers, they can't drink the water coming from their taps. Now last night a public meeting was held to address this amid calls for Ishka Aaron to answer questions and our reporter Brian O'Connell was there and Brian joins me now. Good morning Brian. Morning Claire. We're going to get to the public meeting in a moment but first will you set the scene for us exactly what What's happening? Well, the issue goes back in Cork City to a new treatment plant on the Lee Road. It cost some 40 million, commissioned about two years ago. Before that, if you look at the log, there was maybe 10 to 20 complaints a week in the city about water quality. In 2021, then, we had 578 complaints. 2022, almost 1,500. And last year, 1,628. So you can see a significant rise. The new plant, part of the issue here is that a chemical called caustic soda was added to the water. Um, it had been a lime-based treatment before and Ishgairn say this is perfectly normal, it's used in many plants but essentially what happened was the change in the water properties, it seemed to interact with the old pipe network in the city it stirred up sediment for example inside the old pipes and this obviously had a big impact on the water quality and on the water colour. Residents were complaining of a rust colour in their water and as I said you could see up to 90 complaints a week. There were some other events in the past two years which impacted water quality as well. There was a new pumping regime for example that had an impact and again before Christmas there was an issue which led to up to 120 complaints a week but Ishka Aaron say the level of complaints right now has declined. So we know part of the reason for the issues is the age of the pipe network. Well there's some 600 kilometres of mains piping in Cork City and over half of it is about 100 years old so you've these old cast iron pipes and then there's obviously a build up of sediment over decades. The advice so far from Ishgairn has been to let your tap run if it's discoloured and only then is it safe to drink. But residents I met, they're not happy with this. Ishgairn were invited to that public meeting last night, Claire. They chose not to attend. It was organised by Socialist Party TD Mick Barry and he told me just before it got underway why he called the meeting. For the last 18 months uh, in Cork City, there have been households that have been struggling with a problem uh, that when they turn on their taps... Uh, They get brown water, they get orange water, they get discoloured water. It's uh, ruined uh, many a laundry day uh, and messed up many a dishwasher. What Ishka Aaron need to do uh, is they need to come clean on this and say, okay, this is the problem, this is how we're going to sort it, and this is the timetable uh, for sorting it. Uh, The quick fix solution is local flushing in the areas. you know, people cross their fingers and hope that that would, would work. It's a temporary fix. 
and it hasn't sorted the problem for so many households. It's, it's a large part of the issue here, Mick, that we have this older piping system here, which hasn't been upgraded in many decades. Yeah, there's pipes below the ground in Cork City, which go back to the time that the British ran the country. There's others that were installed in De Valera's day. Uh, Ishkaren and the government between them, the state, uh, need to say how we're going to get to the root of this problem and, and sort out the issue with the pipes. You have a seat here for Ishkaren. Do you expect someone to sit on it? Uh, well, no, they've publicly said uh, that they're not going to come to the meeting tonight. you disappointed? Uh, I am disappointed, and I think people who come here tonight will be disappointed. So no representative from Ishkaren there last night, but residents who were impacted spoke about how it is affecting them. Yes, and the people who were there, Claire, wanted uh, a timeline essentially as to when they could be confident uh, in their water supply. Again, they spoke about washing machines and kettles being ruined, about having clothes destroyed when the water changed colour, when a wash cycle was on, how in a cost of living crisis, as you're going to hear in this clip, they're paying for bottled water, they're paying for filters. The following are just examples of what's been happening to me over the last three years. Our water is very untrusting. We have a jar on our window at home that we use to check the water to make sure it's clear before turning on washing machines, dishwashers or even a shower. My seven-year-old son asks us is the water safe to use to brush his teeth. We have had to replace dishwashers, washing machine and a water mains fed shower all within six weeks of each other, all from the dirty water. We have had clothes destroyed because of using the washing machine without checking the water. Having to spend 20 to 30 euro a week on bottled water to boil, to cook with and to make babies bottles is a disgrace. <coughs> in a shared household close to Barrack Street. We had our pipes flushed three times. We had to have our boiler cleaned twice. Washing machine broke three times. Uh, currently we have filters on all the taps that we have to replace every three months. After showering, we still need to use mineral water in a bottle to wash our eyes. At the moment, it's, it's really tough because between the costs we shared on you know, cleaning the house, we, in repairs and everything, we probably lost two and a half thousand in a year. Currently, you know, we are buying bottled water by delivery. Uh, people started reporting this all over the city. It's not just our area. God, it's really awful, really detrimental to your day-to-day life. I mean, we'll hear from another resident in a moment, Brian, but you got in touch with Ishka Aaron. What did they have to say about it? Well, they acknowledge water services in Cork City are not meeting the standards that customers expect, especially considering the significant investment over the last number of years. They're treating this matter, they say, with the utmost priority. They warn there's no easy solution, though, to solving the issue. It's going to take a lot of investment over several investment cycles before they get to a stage of having no discoloration issues. Now, one other person, Claire, I spoke to last night was Sonia Cashman. Uh, this week, I met her actually in her home on the north side of Cork City, and she told me about the issues she's been having with her water supply and when I arrived she took me through the lengths she has to go to just to make a cup of tea. I don't use tap water for my kettle. You can't use bottled water in your kettle because it blows the element. That's filtered water for your kettle. My washer looks to be running clean this morning. So you're filling from the tap? I'm filling from the tap. Looks clean. You're putting it through the filter. So we can see particles floating essentially in the water. So what are the particles? I mean, they're saying they're testing the water at source. That's not my source of water. This is. So it looks to be clean, but it's not clean. And at its worst, then, what did it look like? Um, at its worst, it looks like a rusty radiator. Do you know when you... That's the only way you can describe it. Um, it just looks like rust. It's, it's vile. Because if you put on a white swash, even, 
And in the middle of the white squash, the water goes rusty. You are literally throwing everything out. Mm. So you're talking school shirts, socks, underwear, towels. And go back before two years ago, you didn't have these issues. We've all kind of had it around the same time, around two years. Let's be fair, we're privileged. We have water coming in to our homes. We have a roof over our head. So I don't want to be on a high horse there, but this is dirty water. If you're in the shower and all of a sudden you look down and it's just running like rust and it's not clean, you're not clean. Did you get a letter in the door here explaining why your water was about? No, we got no letters. Uh We've emailed, everyone gets the same line, flush the water, flush the water, flush the water. What do they mean by flush the water? Basically run your tap and flush your toilets. That's Sonia Cashman's experience. So, Brian, it would be very hard to have confidence in the water when you hear how Sonia describes it. Confidence is a big issue that came up last night. Um, An issue also that came up was an example given of visually impaired persons who are having a lot of difficulty recognising when the water is safe to drink, as well as persons, say, living with dementia was was mentioned last night. Ishgairn say ongoing testing and analysis of the water supply continues, and that's to ensure it's compliant with drinking water regulations so it is safe to drink once it runs clear. The results of the tests are shared with the EPA and the HSE and they continue to engage, they say, with both agencies and take their guidance on the issue. Now, all that being said, as I said, those at the meeting last night, including Sonia, said they don't have confidence in the supply that comes out of their taps. As I said already, there's a cost of living crisis. Everyone's buying new kettles. Everyone's paying for water filters because everyone has found at their peril that you can't put bottled water into a kettle. So it's just extra money out of our household that has to be paid. What do you want to hear from Ishgairn? I want them to say why it's happening and I want them to give us a guarantee that they will come out and test our water that's coming from our tap. No one came to my house to test my water. I don't know anybody who had their water tested from their own tap at home. I mean, when it was owned publicly, they had one mishap in all of the time I can remember. I mean, I've said this to the people on the other end of the phone. And again, they're only working for them. I've said, where are the tankers with the fresh water? So it impacts, as you said, on taking showers, it impacts on, on washing clothes, it impacts on obviously drinking water, everything. But it's a basic human right, which we're being denied. This is an essential, like Saturday, for example, the water was rusty brown again. So then it delays every washing that you have to do. All your washing is delayed. And then you have to run all the water to make sure you can put on a wash, to make sure you're not throwing out a load of washing, which is is happening in every household that I know of. Sonia there again. Now, Brian, I know you said earlier that Ishka Aaron were invited to that meeting last night and they didn't go. And there was an empty chair left at the uh, at the top of the room for Ishgair. And so a lot of people were quite angry. They didn't send somebody last night. Now, despite not attending, they say they are committed to communicating in openly and clearly with customers and with elective representatives in Cork City. They had a recent meeting. So that's to provide guidance and advice in de- dealing with these issues. Um, and they say they're going to continue to keep the community updated about works as they progress. Now, you're going to be back with us on Monday with another report, but this time you're going to be looking at the 
water situation in Dublin and no doubt you'll have more response and reaction from Ishka Aaron then. Exactly. We're going to look Monday at the issue of water shortages in the greater Dublin area and what we can expect in the years ahead. And as you said, a senior manager from the operations side of Ishka Aaron will be on Monday and will respond to today's issue and to the issues on Monday. Brian O'Connell reporting on Today with Claire Byrne. And as Brian said, you can hear the second part of this report on Monday's show. Energy is the latest energy company to announce a drop in prices. From the 1st of March, the company will cut its electricity rates by 7.5% and its gas rate by 5%. Charlie Weston is the personal finance editor of the Irish Independent and he told Rachel English what this should mean for customers on Morning Ireland. It should mean savings on the electricity side, Rachel, of about €129 Euros from this uh, cut that's coming in in five weeks. Unfortunately, there's a delay all the time now when we get announcements about price mm. cuts. And gas customers should save about €65 Euros on this this round of cuts. Dual fuel customers, nearly €200. Euros. It comes after they had uh, between 15 and 20% cut in October. There's no change to the standing charge. Energy, I would argue, their standing charge is relatively low compared with the others. But it's coming off the back of enormous hikes. If you take 2022 energy as electricity prices, they had two huge whoppers of increases at 30% and then earlier in the year they had a, a 20% in April 2022 uh, and they're cutting off a relatively high base as well. Their unit rate is about 38.08, their kind of 24-hour rate. So uh, it's the last of the big four to announce a second cut. We I mean, we had last two weeks, we've had Electric Ireland, Borgash, we've had a second cut from SSCR electricity earlier in the year uh, and then we have the new player Uno, uh, Uno Energy who's only just come into the market last August they announced two cuts this month alone because their business model is to try and undercut and be cheaper than all the other players, they have a, a fixed rate which is very competitive at about 27 cents uh, per kilowatt hour so look it's good, it's good news but we, we desperately need it and it comes at a time when you know, energy bills are high because we will have been using a lot of uh, energy over the Christmas. So we're due some bumper bills. But the good news is um, we're, we're due another government energy credit. €150 Euros is due off the next bill and then there's one after that. Uh, and then, you know, there is a prospect maybe of a third round of cuts at the, at the end of the year if wholesale prices continue to, wholesale gas prices, if they continue to ease we, we we should hopefully get another round of cuts near the um, the, the 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 end of the summer, possibly, mm-hmm. Rachel. So, you know, there's a bit of competition there, at least anyway. If that new player putting it up to the rest of them, yeah. As you say, though, it's worth remembering, as if most people could forget that prices are still far far higher than they were a couple of years ago. ODR significantly higher, maybe eighty percent higher. You know, if you just look at it in terms of the unit rate for your electricity. We were paying up to 50 cents uh, per, per, per kilowatt hour. Now it's down around 30 cents, uh, you know, typically some bit more than that. So, yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, on, in annual terms, b- before the, the Russians invaded Ukraine, the annual cost maybe of electricity was about 1,100 euros. It hit 2,000 a year last year. And, and this year, so it's settled down around 1,500 euros. And that's not taking into account the government credit. So, yeah, we're paying more. We're, we're certainly mm-hmm. paying more than we, than we were. Um, so, but, you know, um, 
And we remember as well that the, the other support we're getting is that the VAT rate on, on our, our, our energy has been lowered as well. Um, you know, if that was to go back up and if we don't get energy credits, we could be <laughs> could be paying an awful lot more. Stop it, stop it. Enough, <laughs> Charlie. Thank you very much for that. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent on Morning Ireland. As is usually the case around award season, there's plenty of good film and TV to soak up in February. Arts journalist Aoife Barry and producer and director Brian Redden joined Claire Byrne to chat about the highlights for the month ahead, starting with the new Bob Marley movie, One Love. It's interesting. I mean, it's um, it looks it looks really good. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, it's taken. I'm amazed it's taken this long to make a film about yeah. Bob Marley because you know movies about singers always always do very well, and actors love them because you know they're 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 you know awards fodder. Last year we had the Elvis one. You know, before that the Freddie Mercury, we've had Elton John, Johnny Cash. People win Oscars for playing for playing singers, and and Bob Marley's life has been you know fascinating. The guy dies very young from cancer, but apart from that, I mean, he kind of revolutionised reggae. But you know, also he he, he um you know he, he survived an assassination attempt. They tried to kill him at one point. You know, so he's had a really really interesting life. So it's been a while waiting for this movie. Um, it looks amazing. The Marley family are behind it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if we get a kind of a sanitised version of his life because he's a bit of a philanderer. You know, he's got about, mm-hmm. he's got 11 kids that they acknowledge, but there's about 15 others that claim to be, you know, his children. So he got about a bit and his long-suffering wife uh, had to endure that, although he stayed married to the same woman for his entire life. So he's, he's a really interesting character. So the family are behind it. Uh, it comes out in mid-February. The guy who's playing uh, Bob Marley and who's getting great reviews is Kingsley Ben Adair. Now, he's an interesting actor. He's an English actor who's actually popped up recently in a lot of stuff, on both on television and on film, playing real-life characters. He played Malcolm X recently. He did a brilliant version of Barack Obama in that. Do you remember The Commie Rules, the film with um, uh, ben, uh, Brendan Gleeson playing... Uh, Donald Trump. Oh, oh yes, yeah, this yeah. guy played Barack Obama in that. Mm. Do you remember the guy playing yeah. Barack Obama? That's this guy. He's he really, looks exactly like him. Now he's a bit tall to be played Bob Marty. He's about a foot taller than Bob Marty. But the <laughs> clips I've seen of it, nothing you can do about that. <laughs> no, no, unless he walks in a trench, which yeah, Alan Ladd used to get his on boxes. To <laughs> yeah. But he looks great. He looks the part. He's nailed the Jamaican accent. Uh, they use Bob Marty's voice. He's not singing, but that's mm-hmm. that's fine. They used Elvis' voice in the Elvis movie. You're not going to rep, uh, you know, reproduce that voice and. It seems really, really interesting, really, really good. Okay, we'll look forward to that. Now, All of Us Strangers is out starring Paul Meskell and Andrew Scott. It's getting a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, by the way, if anyone's interested in listening to Louis Theroux interviewing Paul Meskell yeah. on uh, on his podcast, I listened to it last night. Paul Meskell is just such a nice fella. He's, he's just so, so down to earth, you know. Yeah. He's so solid and so sensible for a 27-year-old, really likeable. But this um, film is, as I say, getting rave reviews, mm. five stars all over the place in the papers this morning. Have you seen it? Well, you know what? There was a screening of it last week that I was invited to and I was all excited. They said the talent would be in attendance and I was in London, so I couldn't <laughs> go and I was looking on Instagram oh, and I was you, like, Aifa. I know, I was absolutely good. I had a great time in London. But yeah, so this that was the, the big disappointment of my year so far that I couldn't be there. But um, it's getting such great reviews and I think they've done a really good job with the, the media promo around it because Andrew Scott plays a guy called Adam. He's a screenwriter. He lives in this kind of abandoned uh, tower block in London. He's trying to write a script about his parents who died when he was 12. Um, and he meets this young guy called Harry who lives in the apartment block who's played by Paul Meskell. So you have them as a couple in the series and the two of them have been paired up for all of the 
media stuff they've been doing and they just work so well together so even without seeing the film you know there's really great chemistry between them and they're great pals as well and the intriguing bit about this film is that when Adam um, decides to go to his family home in Croydon to see you know get a bit of inspiration for the script he actually goes in and meets his parents who we know are dead as they were back in the 80s and he's able to have this new relationship with them so they're these ghosts living in this ghostly house so he's dealing with grief with getting older with his relationship um, he never got to come out to his parents as well when he was young so he kind of gets to do that so you've got all these these things going on and then the director Andrew Hay he makes really beautiful um, emotional films um about couples and about relationships there's a lovely one called 45 Years which is about a couple who are married for 45 years and it's, it's dark but it's beautiful so you really trust that you're in good hands with him mm-hmm. so I'm really personally really excited to see this I think it'll be one of the, the you know the big films no Oscar nominations for it but a really deeply felt film I think for yes viewers. no Oscar nominated but they got it wrong we know, we exactly, know that exactly they can't get it all right all we'll, the time we'll yeah. forgive them for that The Iron Claw yes. this sounds fascinating you know, it's an amazing story. It's a story I wasn't really that familiar with. I kind of heard a bit about these guys in the past, but I didn't really know them that well because I don't follow wrestling, you know. But this is in the world of WWE. And um, th- there's a family called the Von Erich family. Um, the kind of the main, the dad is played by a great actor called Holt McCallany. And this, this family is really interesting because they were a famous wrestling family in America in the 1980s. Um, there were six boys. Five of them were professional wrestlers. Uh, three of them worked in a tag team all the time. Um, and... What's interesting is of the of the five of the six kids, five of them died very, very young. There's only one brother still alive. Five of them died very young, and three of them died by suicide. So what this film is looking at, it's basically looking at the family, looking at their time in the world of wrestling, but also looking at their pushy father. Their father was a very famous wrestler himself. He developed this move called the Iron Claw, which is what the film's called. So that was like a, a you know, a vice-like grip, a wrestling type grip, right? He became famous for that. And he wanted his sons to follow in his footsteps. He becomes their trainer, he becomes their manager. But he pushes them, and he pushes them very hard. So in this film what you get is a family trying to live up to their father's expectations trying to live up to the demands that the wrestling industry puts on them I mean this is this is men who have to be at the top peak physical condition they work out all the time you know they have to be and one of them is quite short and he doesn't like the fact that he's short and, and, and he has serious problems with that as I say three of the sons actually died mm-hmm. by suicide so it explores that and explores Pushy fathers, pushy families, an industry that, that makes very strong demands on people. Okay, well, the, and how the they crack. Iron Claw is clearly a, a metaphor. Zach Efron yeah. is in it. We have just a really quick Zac clip. Efron, he plays yeah. one of the brothers. Ever since I was a child, people said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing could ever hurt us. I believed him. I think, I'd, I, I think I'd really like to see that. Yeah, well, so Zach Efron, he's one of the brothers. And the other brother, one of the brothers played by Jeremy Allen White, the guy from The Bear. So it's a really good cast. And they've bulked up, they've transformed themselves, you know. Zach Efron, like, has had an amazing career path. The guy, yeah. like, from coming from playing Troy in high school yeah. musical to yeah. these kind of roles, it's just unbelievable, like, you know. And and there was a lot of buzz about this film, a lot of Oscar buzz about this film, none of which panned out. A bit like the film yeah. just mentioned. Like, it was unfortunate. But people were talking about him for an Oscar nomination. Didn't get it, but apparently... He's amazing in it. Absolutely might be, amazing. Maybe those terrible haircuts if you've seen the trailer. Yeah, but it's <laughs> set in the 80s. Haircuts so are so they've bad. all got really bad blonde <laughs> mullets, you know? Well, that's. But, uh, uh, it looks the, really good. It's out very soon, actually. It's out, out in a couple of days. Thir- January 30th. So when's okay. that? Next. Tuesday. Four days time. Yeah. Um, the next film, this one did get some Oscar recognition, The Holdovers, about a teacher holed up for Christmas in a boarding school with a student and the school cook. So let's take a listen to Paul Giamatti playing the role of Mr. Honham. This is him giving out the results of an assignment to his class. 
I can tell by your faces that many of you are shocked at the outcome. I, on the other hand, am not, because I have had the misfortune of teaching you this semester, and even with my ocular limitations, I witness firsthand your glazed, uncomprehending expressions. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. No, it's... Uh, I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. I'm supposed to go to Cornell. Right, so he's Unlikely. a... He's a curmudgeonly teacher. Yeah, he's a classics teacher, as you can hear there. And he's someone who's very quick-witted, but he also has kind of a sad life. And that's the thing about this film, that it's about these privileged teenagers who go to the school in, in New England, a boarding school, one of whom um, is played by a guy called Dominic Sessa. It's his very first film role, who's brilliant. And Dominic gets basically stuck. He's called a holdover. He's held over in the school over Christmas time with Paul Giamatti, um, who's the teacher who's there to look after the students that end up kind of getting their parents might not, you know, come pick them up for Christmas and things like that. So it's about privilege and it's about loneliness and it's about you know, the nostalgia of Christmas time, relationships not working out. There's grief in there as well. Am Divine, um, Joy Randolph is there um, as well, playing a mother who's lost her son um, in the Vietnam War, I believe. It was just, you know, everybody when I went to see it just sat back afterwards. We were all just felt that was just so lovely. It was so funny, so cosy. It felt like a real comfort watch, but also it didn't avoid the darkness and the sadness of life, you know. Um, it's it's made it's brilliant. It's made by Alexander Payne, who made Sideways, which really brought Paul Giamatti to much more wider attention. He's someone who's got a really long career but they're pairing up with something people always look forward to and it worked again with this film set in the 70s as well so it sounds looks like a cool. film that maybe we should have watched around Christmas time I know <laughs> it does it does evo- it, it is a Christmas film it's a pity we got it in January but if you want to kind of go back to those nostalgic Christmas moments you can you know get them by watching this in the cinema it's in cinemas now so catch it pretty quickly I would advise definitely before it goes now we've got a TV series to talk about Mr and Mrs Smith yeah. so we know <coughs> about the original film with Brad Pitt and which is um, 2005 nearly oh, 20 yeah. years oh, ago God. no I believe, believe that yeah oh, <laughs> That started the whole thing. Yeah, true. We remember the tabloids back then. It did, yeah. So Brad Pitt, that's when he broke up. Wasn't it a break up with Jennifer Aniston? Yeah. At the time. Anyways, they had their affair in the set, blah, blah, blah. 2005. So that's that's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. The original film, this, this TV series is a bit different. So the original film... They are married, obviously. They're Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They're both spies. They don't know that the other person is a spy. And as the film progresses, they're they're assigned to, to they're assigned a hit on their other partner. So they have to take out each other, basically. And then they figure out that they're both on the same side. That's what the movie's about. That was in 2005. They tried to develop a TV series back then on it. They shot a pilot for it. It didn't work. It died. So everyone forgot about it. Now, here we are, 20 years later. And Donald Glover, that great actor, producer, writer, singer, director we know him from Community and lots of other things he's now revamped this to a TV series which is also called Mr. and Mrs. Smith he plays Mr. Smith what's different about this is that they're not married the couple aren't married but they are two spies they both know they're spies obviously and they have to go undercover posing as a married couple uh, called Mr. and Mrs. Smith and then inevitably they fall in love so it's kind of a crime caper there's lots of spy stuff in it Great supporting cast. Our own Sharon Horgan is in it. John Turturro is in it. Paul Dano is in it. And it looks like a lot of fun. Mrs. Smith, I've forgotten her name. Let me tell you what her name was. She is played by Maya Erskine. Brilliant actress. Oh, she's brilliant. Brilliant That's on Amazon Prime. That's on Amazon Prime and it starts on February the 2nd. Okay, Uh, you've got one on your list, Aoife, which I watched over Christmas and I thought it was really good. It 
it's May, December. Yeah, it's such an intriguing film, isn't it? Yep. Um, you can catch it now in, if you have Now TV Cinema. So not just Ordinary Now TV, but get their cinema. You can get a trial, I think, on it. Um, but either way, um, it's a Todd Haynes film. It is loosely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau case, which is a pretty grim case about a, a woman um, who's in her 30s who went out with a very young teenage boy. They had children. She was sent to jail. She had a child in jail. Um, huge scandal, if people remember, all over the tabloids at the time. And this takes the root of that story about, about a couple, um, Gracie and Joe, and they're still married. You know, we we've, we meet them when they're in there. He's in his 30s and she's in, I think, probably her 50s um, at, at that stage. And Natalie Portman plays an actor who's sent to study the family because she's going to be playing Gracie in a film. And it really plays with tone. Like, it feels like this melodramatic film at certain points at all these zooming in at these intense moments. And then, you know, um, Julianne Moore would say something like, we're all out of hot dogs when you think she's going to say something that's like really dramatic. So, you know, you really have to pay attention to it. And I think the transformation that Natalie Portman undergoes as a character is so interesting. You have to really keep an eye on her because you think she's one thing and then she's kind of another. And that's, I suppose, all of the undertones of the film the whole way along. It's well worth a watch. It's really uh, intriguing. Arts journalist Aoife Barry and producer and director Brian Redden on Today with Claire Byrne. Eurovision fever was in the air today ahead of the Late Late Show Eurosong special and a surprise guest popped into the Ray Darcy show to give his opinion. I'm Eurovision royalty, open that door now. You're yeah. not talking to Johnny Logan and Larry Gogan and Terry Wogan here. This is Eurovision. Ah, oh, there you are, Ray. Yeah, How are you? Yeah, yeah. God, you good thing. Wait, hold up. Murad, Tony. Yeah, no. That, yeah. yeah. Come no, back. Yeah. Where, where'd you go, right? No. The email said 14.45. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, quarter past, quarter past four. No, no. What? No, 14.45 is quarter to three. Oh, would you not have stalled the show for me? No, we can't. I'm in your division, Royalty. Yeah, You're not no. dealing with muck here, you know. I know, you've been there. The other three haven't been there. We thought... They haven't possibly even sat in a shopping trolley, right? This yeah, is a disgrace. Well, I'd say that's factually correct, yeah. I, I demand a recount. Well, it... <laughs> There'll be no deals planned, this, I can tell you. We, we, we had John and Tony and Murray there and you were supposed to join them yes. to go through the six songs that are on the Late Late Show tonight. That was the plan. Yeah, but that was, that was it. But sorry, I got the times wrong. I yeah. got the times wrong. Okay. Murray, will you set the alarm clock right next time? <laughs> He's supposed to wake me this morning when we woke up. And that, is he, is Johnny, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, John's gone. Yeah, John's gone. Um, so, I, I tell you, uh, Justin, you come up to this mic, will you? Right, come up to this, right, right. Yeah, come up to this mic, yeah. Come up to this mic. Two, two, two. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Look at this. Is it by, ah, is it by magic? There you go. Two, there two. You go. Ah, now we're starting. Now we're starting right out. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Two, two. Sorry. Sorry, you said you arrived in late and got the wrong microphone. Now, I'm, <laughs> now we're live. Now we're live. Now we're fucking daily. Yeah, yeah, chaos follows you wherever you go. That's that, it. No, no, no. That's Caroline Morhan. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, anyway, look, I'm not going to play all six songs for you again. Yeah. But but seeing as you're here, we might as well have a chat about Eurovision. A lot of people mentioned you yeah. in dispatches. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all complimentary. What? No, it wasn't all complimentary. Like John, he was saying there's pre-Dustin and post-Dustin. Yeah. Like, and a lot of people blame you, and this is the truth, for what has happened to Ireland's fortunes in the Eurovision since we sent you. Ah, they're obviously getting me mixed up with Dana. Small bird that can't sing. You see, we're <laughs> the same sort of thing, right? That's what it is. Well, well, no, it, it, like, Dana started the whole thing off. Yeah, I know. She made a terrible hames of it. <laughs> it was disgraceful. We shouldn't have let her go in the first place. I said it to you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And I wasn't even born. I wasn't even an egg at that stage. No, look, look. I, I went. Eurovision had to be reinvented, right? It yeah. changed. It was, as I say, it wasn't lads going out singing ballads anymore. It was sort of, you know, it was coming rock and roll. It was yeah. um, sort of monsters from Finland. Uh, Lordy, yeah. Yeah, 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 basically yeah, yeah Russian yeah. grannies, milk, yeah. milkmaids churning. It's just gone mad. So yeah. I decided, Dervis finished the year last. And we finished second last year before them. So I decided, well, I can't lose. Little did I know. And uh, I went over. And it was great crack. As I said, it's what Pearson Connolly fought and died for. Every Irish person should have the right to go to Eurovision at least once in their lives and represent this great nation of ours. Because it's the best two weeks you'll ever have. While RT still have a few quid in their pocket, may I, I remind you. Because there won't, be, there won't be anyone going, I'd say, in a few years. You'll be getting a Ryanair flight, I'd say, to Stansted at best. That's all you'll be getting. But it is it is an absolutely brilliant experience. And whoever does it, who, whatever happens in the Late Late Show tonight, I'd yeah. like to remind the Irish people, at least Ryan Tuberty isn't presenting. Can I just remind you of this thing, right? Yeah. That this is important. Why, why, are you, why are you nodding in approval with me? Thanks, Ray. Can I just remind you of one thing, and this, yeah. is, this is important, that the last time, because people are critical of the the selection process and the yeah. fact that it's on the Late Late Show and th- we've heard that from Tony as well here today yeah. uh, and a lot of people text in with that as well but the last time we did something as in RTE or Ireland did something outside of the Late Late Show we, it was down in Limerick in the University Concert Hall down there and What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I say this to, I say CSI are still down there the white tape's still on the ground you were presenting that night. I was. I have done, man, we have interviewed politicians. I've filmed all over the world. We've done 25 years of live television yeah. on the den. When it, and I, I have never in my whole life witnessed anything as mad as that knee. It was just, it was, it was absolutely barking, man. But the, but the, anyway, the people who were watching, the people yeah. who were watching, they voted for you and we yeah. sent you to the, the Eurovision. 79% um, of the vote. Yeah, yeah. Don't let Irish people vote. <laughs> I know people say they fought, fought and died for your vote. Should be the other way around. We shouldn't be allowed vote. <laughs> well, let, what this they, country <laughs> puts me in a ball in for twenty years <laughs> for the boom your boom. Like you know, we shouldn't be allowed vote right. Well, there there are people who are of that opinion that that maybe you don't ask people what they want because they probably don't know. You know, yeah. That, yeah, and that there are experts within this organisation who well they want to <laughs> find them quickly because it ain't been going well for the last twenty years. But there are people who know music and maybe they should select... Who's yeah. in charge of the Eurovision, Irish Eurovision thing in RTE? You know well who's in charge. Who is it? You, you know well. Who is it? <laughs> it's, it's Michael Keeley. Sorry? <laughs> I said Michael Keeley. No, I heard you the first time. I'm just sorry. Do, do, they, do they wake him up once a year to do this? I mean... No, Michael, Michael does other projects throughout the year. What, um, what else does he do? <laughs> well, like, he does Rose Tralee. Sorry? <laughs> Rose Chalee Heard you the first time I'm just This is just brilliant This is just great crap Will someone make Michael Keeley up now, I'll give his phone number this, out this'll, If people want it It's 087 What was it right No this will wake him up He thinks he's yeah. having a, a nightmare Uh, now, a number of our panellists today said that you were ahead of your time. Yeah, it was the madness, but yeah. it was too mad. We, we had a go at Eastern Europe and we didn't realise that Eastern Europe still took the competition seriously. And yeah. that was, yes. we were sort yeah. of like put to the sword. And rightfully so. We should have respected the, the voters, you know what I mean? And we didn't respect the voters. And the competition. 
You know. No, we expected the competition. <laughs> Just half of them are nuts. <laughs> the ones in Eastern Europe. But I did say, Eastern Europe, we love you. Do yes. you like Irish stew or goulash <laughs> as it is to you? Now, if WB8 had written that right, or Patrick Kavanagh, or, uh, I don't know, any, any, the other, any, any, any other drunks, right? If they had written no, right? No, no, that's not me. No, no. I'll just tell you, right, they'd be honoured. But for yes. me, I just got, like, brilliant lyrics. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Um, so we're sorry, oh, yeah, we're sorry for River Dance. Give us another chance. Sure, flatly, he's a yank, and the Danube flows through France. <laughs> now, it doesn't flow through France, but it rhymed. <laughs> And sometimes you just have to sell your air to lie. You have to sell your air. I suppose, would you represent Ireland again? <laughs> Is there an offer on the table? It's Michael Healy on the phone. Of course I would. It's the best crack in the world. But this time I would actually do, I'd do a proper cool song about peace or something. I'd actually go and actually, on, I'd honour the competition. I've learned yes, from my mistakes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't go and slate half of Europe, even though no, they, they no. made up countries right to keep me out of it. Anyway, did, Is there a place called Azerbaijan? No. Yeah. Anyone ever been, have you ever been to Azerbaijan? No, you see, they started making up countries to no, keep there, me there, out of it. There is Azerbaijan. Yeah. Slovenia. Yeah, there no, is Slovenia. There's no such country today. We know that now. And apparently well, the people are a little just, say, just, just before we leave you, um, that, that last year you were there in Liverpool. Uh, I was. And you got a great reception. So people have forgiven you. They've moved on. No, people did. No, never. Yeah. These, okay. This was in the national crowd. I actually, I loved that. I really, because the British Broadcasting Corporation, otherwise known as the BBC, flew yeah. me over. And it was just amazing to be there. And I, I was rooting for uh, the chat, Finland. Yes, chat, 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 chat. chat. And yes. I tell you, I was up in some guy's shoulder from Stockholm. We we're all, it's just one big, brilliant party. Yeah, the Eurovision yes. is. Amazing. Magic. And we have to remind ourselves that we've won it seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't one of them. But 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 anyway, listen, next time. I love that. 1445. Quarter three. You're going having a go at my artificial. You <laughs> weren't one of them. Turn down his How's your chat there? show? <laughs> How's your TV <laughs> chat show? Let's remember the great years, the seven wins for Ireland in the Eurovision Song Contest. Hello, well, right I'm back to 19, 1970. Yeah. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for. Diana, the little girl from Ireland on whom all our hopes are pinned. Song 
Seven wins. Uh, goosebumps on goosebumps. Uh, send Dustin back with his cap in his hand and he'd sweep the boards. Says, I don't know, Phil. I don't know. I don't know about that one myself. Former Eurovision contender Dustin the Turkey on the Ray Darcy show. On the nine o'clock show this morning, Shay's guest was country singer Susan McCann. I'm on the road nearly 50 years now. Um, and it wasn't easy when I started in 1976. The troubles were at their height in the north of Ireland and there were no southern bands coming in. They were too scared to cross the border. From the Miami got, were attacked. And we we just worked. We, we worked all the northern dates at that time and never give it a second thought, really. But when you think back to what we did, you know, yeah. so... And we just kept country music going in the north. Myself and Philomena and Margot and, you know, we did. And Big Tom and... But so it's it's good now to see the young people, you know, following up and 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 taking the taking the reins sort can of thing. You talk about seventy six. Can I play you a little bit of your first number one? Yeah, have a listen to this. <laughs> Big Tom is still the king. Yeah. Big Tom and Big Tom is he, and he's still the king. He is still the king. He is still, still the, the king. king. If you're People a... talk about him. I sing that song at all my concerts. It's in private as part of a medley of all my number one hits. And people, just, the minute I start singing, everybody sings it. Everybody still knows it. He was just, oh my God, he was just out on his own. He well, really he, well, was. He knew how to entertain a crowd and he was oh. a very quiet man Oh, lovely well. man. Lovely, lovely man. I often say if it wasn't for him, I never would have been heard of. <sighs> That's the truth, really. Because I, that, you know, when I took that, I started in 1976 and I took a Christmas song out just to launch me, uh, called Santa and the Kids. And that that song, Big Town Still the King, Michael Cummins changed it. It was a song about Bob Wills, I think, is still the king, and then Michael Cummins, he's a, he was a huge Big yeah. Town fan. Yeah. He changed the words to I Big Town. I know Michael, Tom. yeah, I remember yeah. Michael, yeah. And it, it had been lying in the office in Castle Blaney for apparently months, and that was that was the idea to get me in the road to record the song of Big Tom. He was massive, as you know. And sure, every Big Tom fan in the country bought it. So they must have liked what they heard because then they come out to hear me. <laughs> uh, but you have one so, of the, you, your voice, and forgive me now, I'm a fan, so this interview is going to be difficult because I'm fanboying over you now as well. Right. I'm smiling, a big smile on my face <laughs> as you're sitting in front of me. Um, your voice is timeless. You have that voice, that country voice, that I don't know what age you are when I'm listening to it. Well, I can tell you now, I'm 74. Well, you don't look it. And if I live till the 26th of February, I'm 75. Nah, the big 7-5. The big 7-5. <laughs> but 
But so you, I'm not too, I'm not doing too bad. Sure, I'm not like for for an old doll like me. <laughs> <laughs> you look pretty good to me. Well, thank you. And thank you're you. singing this just as yeah, good as ever. Yeah, thank God. Uh, funny, I, I, when I was when I've been in recording this single, uh, we were just, I just we were just saying how uh, how how easy it was for me to sing again. I, as you know, I haven't been well. Um, well people for, people listening might may not know, and I didn't yeah, want to ask you that. But I know. If you wanted, if you no, wanted but, to maybe tell people, uh-huh, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer in August, the beginning of August, and um, yeah. I find it, I find it very emotional to talk about it. Actually, it's an awful, it's an awful shock to be told you have cancer. You know what? Because it was the last thing in my mind when I my bloods are very low, but it was the last thing that I thought of. I just thought it was run down. You know the way you think. Your age. I was after doing a, well, it was a a, tour, a short sort of a tour, but with with um, Derek Ryan, and I thought well, there were there were some long journeys in it and. I just thought I was tired all the time. I just thought it was because I was doing too much, and I thought, well, at seventy-four, you're entitled to be tired, you know. So, so I went to the doctor with something different. I didn't know it was my blood. I went to the doctor with with a, a, a complete um, with my right hand. I was losing the power in my two of my fingers and my right hand, and I thought I was taking a stroke. <laughs> And it wasn't I have carpal tunnel in my wrist or something. So I don't know what it's a nerve thing in yeah. it. So it was nothing to do with my hand. But I hadn't been to the doctor for uh, umpteen years probably because <laughs> I never had any reason to go. And the doctor there, she said, "I'll just take your bloods when your incision is that long from you've been here." So she took my bloods on a Monday and a Tuesday morning. I was called back in again, and that's the way. And then it all started, you know, getting all the tests done and um, eventually they got to the bottom of it, found a tumour on my bowel. So I was taken in, that was August, and I was taken in on the 4th of September uh, to Craig Avon and operated on and they said that they wouldn't know whether it was, well, it hadn't spread to my lungs or my liver, so that was good. Um, but this, there were lymph nodes around it and they didn't know whether it had spread to them or not, but they wouldn't know until they got the test back from, they sent it all away when they took it. So lucky enough, they got it back and it hadn't spread at all. Oh. It was just uh, confined to my to the part of my colon where it was and it didn't it didn't spread. Luckily, I was, had I not gone to the doctor with my fingers, I would still be not knowing that I had a tumour. And, and you know, it was just I was just so lucky. I don't want to ask you too period questions no. or too personal, but you, you you know about you didn't have any symptoms that no, you knew of. None, none, and you know you the the say that you do, but I did not have any symptoms, none. And my bowel test that we get in the north, you get them sent out to you every two years, and it was. It was clear, and you that, had done that. Test. And I, oh yeah, I had done that. This test. comes to you in the post. It's a little yeah, kit. that's right. Yeah, and it's and very it co- simple. Very thing. simple. It's a very simple test Look, to do. You, and anybody out there that's, that's listened to us this morning, please do it because I'll tell you, it can. It's one of the, you know, the doctors were saying to me when I was in the hospital is it's one of the cancers that that is, it's curable or you know if it's gotten time the chances of you. Getting yeah. getting a full recovery is good, but if it's not got, it's a silent. If it's not gotten time, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. it can travel. Um, but th- I didn't even need treatment. 
So Which is great. No, but uh, they're keeping it close. Anyway. So you don't need you didn't need chemo. No, and, no, I didn't. And again, no. personal question: you didn't need a bag. No, no, just where it was, and my bowel. It, it it was just confined to the one area, and they just took it all away. In fact, the consultant told me afterwards that he took more away than was needed, but he took it away because he was wanted to make sure that there was nothing left. They talk about the margins of the yes, tumor, yes. Yeah. So uh huh. So that so. So and how long were you in hospital? I was in hospital for five days, just. Well, yeah. in this day and age, five days is quite long. Yeah, you know, yeah. we were, people go in for operations throughout the I next know. morning. Yeah, oh, I know that. And then you're but waiting on results as well. You're waiting I, for the... I, I'd wait. That was, that was the hardest part. When I come home, you know, when I was leaving the hospital, um, it was Dr. McElvana and he said, do you want to come down and see me or will I ring you with the results? And I said, oh, just give me a call. And I was joking with him. I said, the less I see you, the better now, after what you've done to me. He was joking. He was a very nice guy. And um, he rang me the following... Th- I was released... I was I was home on the Thursday, and the following Thursday, the results were in. He rang me, and he said he had good news that I didn't need treatment, that he talked to the team about the whole thing, and he said I didn't need treatment. So then I had my review... Six weeks later, and he, he um, yeah, he was very pleased with me. Well, and so I'm going back in again now on the 6th of February for more tests to make sure that I'm... There. So, you know, even it, even it did come back, they're keeping a very close eye on me, you know, so... You must have been saying a few prayers. I des- certainly did. I have great faith in Posrick Pio, the greatest faith of all times. There's a wee man in Belfast, his name is Brandon Rogers. Oh, he has relics. Oh, relics. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd need to be here all day to talk to you about him. He's just, he's a wee saint. That's what he is. Which, which did and, you get a relic? Did you? Get, yeah. yeah, he blessed me with the with the relic that he had. There's only, apparently, he's the only man next to somebody in Rome that has this relic. And It's a Padre Pio. Padre Pio relic, yeah. And um, a friend of mine from Newry, Brian Meehan, he's great faith too. He's He's got lots of relics of different... I just have... I wouldn't be... I suppose I wouldn't be the best Catholic in the world. I wouldn't be running to Mass every day of the week, but I have great faith, you know, and um, I think, you know, what a time with that prayer is it's great. It was great for me and it still is. I'm very, very grateful and very thankful that I'm as well as I am. You know, so I'm so glad to be able to get back to be doing my string of diamonds tour again. It's just look, you're straight back in plug, and I love it. Yeah, I know, but I really <laughs> no, am. I, know, I could I'm have been delighted I, that it, you're back on the road. I could again. have been off the road for all times. Yeah, you know, because yeah. had I, I and had we've a, seen it with friends of ours as well. Yeah, I had to cancel all the dates, as you know. I was on Jimmy's trip to Spain. I was on Declan Nerney's trip. I had a cruise, Joni Madden cruise, and I had to cancel them all. Mm. Because now at this stage they were doing tests, but I, I had to be there for when I was, you know, if they posted the my letter out today that I had to come in tomorrow or whatever, I had to be. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't work, and the same would be now if I was having treatment, I couldn't go back to work. So you know, it's just I'm very grateful that that I'm able to do it. And, you know. And- Conversation with Dennis when you got the diagnosis because Dennis, oh, Dennis, Dennis had his own challenges as well. He had with his heart, he did indeed, yeah. But he's as tough as old boots, Dennis. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he he's um he's good. He's a he has a defibrillator and and oh. the, you know the two of us were talking about two crocs like. <laughs> 
I'd have said to him, now we'd be sitting at the fire, you know, and I'd say, good Lord, like, what are we like? You know, it's the truth. But anyway, we're... But you're, you're to, I, th- I think you told me you're together since you're like 16 or Yeah, so. 16, that's right. And you're still together. Yeah. And you never had a fight. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you I know who won. <laughs> Never had a fight on day. Anyway, when, we look, look at we just we you, we're like everybody. You do have your arguments and all that, but Dennis would never argue back. Dennis would be getting your nerves. You know, he just wouldn't answer. I would. I'd be giving off stink, and he just goes about as if over his head. Doesn't even hear. But anyway, you and I were we were in Tarmelinas a couple of years ago when yeah. we were on Jimmy Buckley's. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was on holiday and you were working, and uh, I can remember one of my memories of you is sitting around the pool, um, just in the shade having a glass of water. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> and the, the one thing, the, the thing that, you, the first thing that you tend to talk about is not about music or business, it's about your family. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really lucky, really lucky. I have five lovely grandchildren. I, the eldest is 18 and a half now. Oh. God almighty, Sinead. Of course, Sinead sings with me now. I saw her with you on on, on, on Daniel, uh, Daniel's program. That's right. Oh, that's, she was great. Ah, uh, she is. Um, my that's my son's daughter, uh, Sinead, and he's another girl, Emma, and Emma does a she plays the piano and she sings, but she won't sing. You know that sort of. Oh, sure, you I know. know. I know. I have one of them as and well. Then, yeah, but then Linda, Linda's girl, Laura. She, what a what a singer! She's she's just a great great singer. She really is. But again. She did, she 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 came out, she did a concert one of the concerts with me last year but she was a bit shy but she's not as shy now as she used to be she's coming sixteen so she recorded with me we recorded um, that Abba song um, now my mind's gone it'll come back to you and yeah um, but we recorded together and we we're going in on Saturday and she's recording a song for a new album that I'm taking out. For March for the tour, okay. um, so it's like a family album. Oh. Sinead's on it, and Laura will be on it. Where are you? Re- where are you recording that? Down and up the north, up with 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 Jared Dorn. Oh yeah, up in the north, and we're we're doing that as a family album. And I was in. I have another single. Derek Rain wrote me a song. He's a great songwriter. Oh, oh fabulous! So I was in with Jonathan on. What day was I in with Jonathan? It's Jonathan Owens. Jonathan yeah. Owens on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. So I was recording. So I'm busy, busy recording. But so the, the, I'm looking forward to the family album because it's it's going to be, you know. Do you know I have a little clip of Sinead singing with you? Yeah. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it. This is um, good old days. The good uh, Sinead. No, uh, grandma. It's called Grandma. Tell me about the good old well, days. Well, I'll play this. I yeah. hope it's the right one. Then yeah. we'll see. It is. I bet. Lovers really fell in love to stay. Stood beside each other, come what may. I promise, really, something people care, not just something they would say and then forget. Families really bowed their heads to pray. Daddy's really never went away. She's a great singer, she needs. She's a good singer. Yeah. There she is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's a real strong country yeah. line in it as well. If you, yeah, that, that. she, oh, she has. She's, you know, sometimes if you close your eyes, you think it was me that was singing. She's very, you know, she just has. Well, it's the family thing again. You know, the, yeah. the harmonies. There's nothing to beat family harmonies. Yeah. Nothing. 
have a terrible way of calling. They call it blood harmony. Is that what they call it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I never heard of it. Blood harmony. I never heard of it. So it's called, it's bl- Grandma Good Old Days. Is yes, the name of the track yeah, anybody that's looking the, for. Yeah, yeah. She has a beautiful voice. And she, she she's going to be on the tour with you. She is. Mm-hmm. You're put, you're, uh, she's going on the road. She's going on the road. She's Well, actually, you know, when we say she's going on the road, she's doing her A-levels this year and she's got, she'll be... Please God, going to Queens if she gets her marks. Her and Josh, what? Linda's boy, he's studying. He's going to study history, and she wants to do medicine. Now, Brendan, your son is in the haulage business, and he's in the Linda, haul- Linda's yeah, a teacher. He's, he's music Linda's te- a teacher. Yeah, music teacher. Yeah, you were telling Linda's, me about Linda's. She, she's a in the music department. She's she's off at the minute. She took a year out, uh, yeah. just a, a career break for her youngest child's doing Tom. <laughs> Tom, the boss of our family, he's doing, <laughs> he's doing uh, his transfer to go to, you know, to go to the grammar school. Yeah. So she has, she took a year out to look after him, and lucky if she did, because she's looking after her mommy now as well. I call her my home help. She's in <laughs> since I had my so you surgery. Could see, you can see it's perfect timing, really. Yeah, it was, it was, and she didn't even, you know, there you go. I say there was somebody praying for me who, yeah, she she didn't know I was going to be sick when she when she. Took her year out, uh, career break. She took it for Tom, really. Country singer Susan McCann on the nine o'clock show. Also on the show, actor Robert De Niro was the butt of a few jokes recently after he became a father again at the age of 80. But the actor has hit back at critics, as Shayburn told us. The 80-year-old actor uh, told the American Association of Retired Persons that it feels great to have a nine-month-old child. And he was quite actually quite emotional about it. Now, when it was announced that he was going to be a dad at 80... And there was some some jokes and some monologues on American chat shows that, that uh, you know, weren't too nice. But actually, when you hear him talk about it. It feels great because everything that I'm consumed with or worried about or this and that just goes away when I look at her. So, <clears throat> that in itself is, you know, wondrous. Uh, but she has a very sweet kind of way of looking at you and just taking you in. So I don't know where it's going to go with her later when she gets older. But she's thinking and she's observing everything and watching. It's really interesting. So, you know, I'm a, an 80-year-old dad and it's great. And I, 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 I want to be around for as long as I can to enjoy it, enjoy her. You know. There we go. Gia is the child's name and uh, nine months old at this stage. And that's him speaking very emotionally about being a dad at 80. There are all sorts of families, all sorts of families. The main thing is there's some love in the room. Well said, Shay. That was on the nine o'clock show this morning. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Playback Daily. So from me, Louise Herity, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.